Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up, everybody? This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Ah, man. All right. Well, you know, I have not been as productive as I would like to be um, with this podcast, considering all of the uh, content that I have stacked up. It's, uh, I mean, I, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, I'm, I'm more laughing at myself because of, you know, the situation I got myself into with all of this content and not enough time to produce it or not produce it, but publish it. So bear, I, I'm not even going to say bear with me. It's just kind of, it is what it is at this point. You know, um, it, some of them that you're going to listen to are going to be from the past. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to throw them all out there. Uh, I'm going to go through and, and, you know, put the ones that I feel are, are more, uh, appropriate or more, you know, if, if it's dated stuff, if there's, if there's content within the conversation, that's just too dated. Um, even though we're still kind of in the same situation that we were two years ago. Uh, but it's, we're, we're making our way out. It seems, uh, you know, fingers crossed, right. Uh, hopefully, you know, this will end here and, you know, we'll end up into something else. Uh, but at least this portion of the plan, uh, <laughs> uh, is, is almost done. So yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look into some of this stuff, uh, and, and get more on it. I just tell you, man, when I get home, I'm just so tired sometimes and you know, it, uh, I have enough time to just basically, you know, unwind from work and, and the commute. And, you know, by the time I eat something and, you know, I'm sitting on the couch at seven o'clock, I'm ready to go to bed a lot of times, man. Um, so I don't know, man, I don't know. I, I definitely, I'm feeling that I need to start, you know, exercising again and try to build up my, you know, cause I know when I was, when I was exercising a lot, I felt a lot better. I had a lot more energy. Uh, I need to change my diet up. I've been getting really lax on that, but it sucks cause I like to eat. Oh my God. I like to eat. I like, but I mean, it's not like I like to eat like engorging myself to kind of eat, but I, I can cook good. So I like to cook the, I like to eat the food that I cook. 
And unfortunately, my portion size is not the size of my fist. It's like probably three fists on a, on a large plate. You know what I mean? And, uh, I, I mean, it's just, I like to eat what I make. And so if I'm going to keep living that way, I'm going to have to figure out, uh, you know, Hey, you probably better start exercising more and eating better kinds of food, uh, and figuring out a way to make those taste delicious. Uh, so <laughs> anyways, um, so yeah, this is, uh, a, a, a past one. I think, what was it? What was the date on it? Um, God, I hate to say that. Cause if somebody's listening here and you're like, well, mine was my, my episode that we did was way back. And I think I've explained that it's, it's a lot easier to do some of these live streams and pull them out and put them out versus having to go through and listen to some of these older ones that are back from 2020 that I don't even remember what the conversation was. I mean, I have an idea or like faint memory of it. So I'm going to have to literally go and listen back to the whole conversation and, um, yeah, there's just more, there's a little bit more time involved in it. So it's, uh, right now I'm just trying to get through some of these, these ones or don't take a lot of time. So bear with me. If you're still listening, man, write the fuck on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're, uh, that you're, uh, that you're still following along with me, man. Uh, you know, my life isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I am not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I am just, you know, a flawed individual that's trying to get better every day. And I'm trying to share stories of other people that have, have, you know, worked through some shit. Right. And, uh, you know, other stuff that I talk about, you know, are, are my perspectives and opinions and, you know, so and having people on, uh, that, you know, talk about things that are, you know, I even hate to say conspiracy because it's more of truth. And a lot of the things that were conspiracy or talked about as conspiracy are now coming out as, as being, you know, true lab leak theory, uh, you know, some of the other ones. And th- th- that's just, you know, this the recent stuff. But, I mean, if you go back to, you know, you know history – uh, you know, a lot, of, and and just look at a lot of the things. It's it's so I don't know. For me, it just I just don't understand how everybody can't see it, but it's just the way it is, man. And uh, if you're still listening, even going from all my views and everything else, man, it's uh, you know, hey, man, glad to have you for sure. Uh, I'm not a bad dude. Um, even you know, it, it just I I just don't understand where we're at. Where it's like you can't you can't. Like people just don't like if you if you're if you're unvaccinated you can't I don't want to be around you um, if you're if you don't hold the same views that I do I, I don't I don't want to associate with you if you hold this view you're a bad person I, I mean I just doesn't it doesn't make any sense I mean if you're a good person how you think I mean as long as you're not you know like a Jeffrey Dahmer you know hiding inside there. You know, who cares what you think? You know what I mean? That's just, that's your personal choice. You can choose to think what you want to think. You can choose to believe what you want to believe, you know, and everybody is different. Everybody believes different. Everybody thinks differently, but that's not, that's only a piece of what you are, right? 
if you're a good person and you know you're you're funny, you're you know all those other things that go into you know you choosing who you want to hang out with or or associate yourself with. Um, I just think it's kind of it's it's really flawed at where we are right now, and that's not how that's not how you judge people. I mean, you shouldn't be judging anybody. I mean, judge yourself. You know, look in, inside and, and fix what you need to fix in you before you start pointing your fingers at everybody else and telling people what they need to fix. And I've gone on and off on a little bit of a tangent here, but you get what I'm saying. Um, if you've been following the show and you're enjoying uh, what I'm doing and the content that I'm putting out, um, this is a value for value kind of thing. Uh, I'm, I haven't monetized yet. I haven't, um, you know, pulled the trigger on, uh, you know, seeking out advertisements and sponsors. Um, you know, a lot of it's cause I just don't have the time, but it's, uh, look, hey, this thing costs money. So if, uh, you're getting value out of what I'm doing, do kick some back. And if you can't afford to monetarily, uh, you know, support or help sponsor or, or you know, give some, some dough to the show. Uh, you, there's plenty of other ways, you know, you can share the show, you can talk about it, you can, you know, introduce it to your friends or family. You know, there's plenty of episodes and that I've put out so far that's, you know, pretty, there's, uh, there's something in there for everybody. So, I mean, that's a good way you can do it. Uh, you can review the show. That's a good one. Go over to iTunes if you're listening on iTunes, go down, hit the, uh, the the review and drop me a five star. That'd be cool. Um, or you can also give the show a review. That helps the, in the algorithm and pushing me up further. So uh, this has already been put out on YouTube as a live stream. So you can go over there if you want to watch the video of this. And that'll be in the description. So other than that, man... Uh, not much else going on other than working and, you know, being a dad and, uh, you know, trying to balance my life and put out this content and, you know, navigate this, this, where we're at right now in society and, you know, at war, uh, on the brink of world war three, you, know, you get the digital passport and the, the, you know, the financial uh, the things that are going on. It's just, ah, it's just a hosh pot of bullshit. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I just, ah, craziness, craziness, craziness. So let's just get to the show. Today, I am talking to Eden Gold. And Eden, I came across Eden in a speaking group that I, you know, uh, check out on Clubhouse. And I was going through, well, not only was she a great speaker, and I was, really surprised at, uh, not that she was a great speaker, but at her age and how well put together and well-spoken and, uh, just really impactful, um, she was in her, in her room, in her group. And so I went and started doing a little bit more diving into her social media and also her bio on clubhouse. And it comes, it turns out that she's a justice impacted individual uh, like myself, but just on a different spectrum of it. Um, but we're going to let her tell you about that. What's up, Eden? Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. I'm really excited too. And, uh, you know, I, I, 
remember how we had you i had I'd made a comment and you go explain and i'm like well you can ask me that question on the air live so would you like to know what that is before we get started I would like for you to repeat the question and then answer it because I remember it was so good and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Um, well, the question was, and I can't remember what it was unless I go back to um, to Instagram and, and look, but it had something to do with uh, it's you, you, you made me eat my words from something from a from a prior uh, episode that I had probably early, early 20s, maybe. Mm. And I had interviewed a 22-year-old, and we were having a conversation, and it was a, a female. She was a, a, a vegan. Uh, she calls herself a space witch, but she's a vegan um, that does astrology and charting and all that stuff, right? And I had made a comment that, yeah, you know, there's all these young people that are being, you know, coming out and being life coaches now, you know, and they really don't have any life experience, so I really don't understand it. And... I've I've since changed my my view on that, but coming across you, like you really are the 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 complete opposite of that. You yes, you're 22, but you're like an old soul, right? You've got a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience, and you're actually somebody who's doing things out there to make an impact in your community and your population of people that you serve. So I just want to commend you first off before we even get involved in this as to what you're doing and how you're doing it. I appreciate you, and uh, yeah, I I have to eat my words. (laughs) Uh, Well, right before you pressed record, we were having a conversation on fear and how the root of so many things that we experience in this life or don't experience is due to fear. So when people say a 22 year old can't be a life coach, I mean, define life coach, right? I'm sure it's different for all of us, but when people come to me, for example, and I've gotten, you're too pretty to do this. I've gotten, you're too young to do this. I don't want to be rude when I say it to them as well, but you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) And somebody told me a, a quote one time on clubhouse and they said, sometimes when you're living your truth and speaking your truth, you expose people who are living a life of a lie. So you're always going to have haters. (laughs) You're always going to have them. And you're kind of exposing a fear that they have. Well, I wasn't there when I was 22, so it's not possible. Well, I didn't make it happen, so it can't happen. But if we're self-aware enough and we change our perspective, we can recognize that there are people my age who are millionaires. Similarly, there are people in their 60s or 70s who just wish they could do it over again and do something better because they never did anything. They were letting fear stop them. That's a whole other story for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what that makes me think of. And I, I encourage everyone to question themselves when they have those thoughts of judgment. And then also be able, be willing to, you know, hey, I was wrong. You know, I think so much in today's day and age, people just can't say that, you know, or that they don't know. And it's okay to not know. And it's okay to be wrong. You know, as long as you learn from that lesson and, you know, don't do it again and fail forward, right? One hundred percent. I completely agree. Being being humble is the biggest lesson that I've been trying to embody. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So why don't we go ahead and, and start this off with uh, you 
letting everybody know kind of who you are, what you do, um, the community and population that you serve, and uh, your story. Absolutely. So my name is Eden Gold. I'm a motivational speaker. Sometimes I call myself your motivational big sister, and that's really because I like to serve students and talk to young people. And my whole life, all I've wanted to do was to feel like somebody, be somebody. I've always wanted to be somebody's role model, but I never was. I was always in the background. My sister was in the front. I was very insecure. And it stemmed from a lot of things. I'm a child of divorced parents. I flew back and forth across the country every single year. And I grew up with a brother who was addicted to drugs my whole life. And this sort of was my quote unquote reality until I was 10. And when I was 10 years old, my father went to prison on a life sentence without parole. And to this day, he has no release date. And at the time, what is a young child to do? You can imagine it was my first experience with immense heartbreak. But, But as we know, we just adapt. We're not recognizing that we are damaged or hurt or going downhill or or things are wrong. We're not recognizing the term trauma. In fact, I talk to a lot of teenagers who don't even know what that is. So I adapted. I just let my insecurities get the best of me. And I was a people pleaser. I did anything anyone would have wanted from me in high school. They told me to go to a party and it would make me cool. I'm there. I'm going to the party. I'm taking the shots. I'm doing all these things and getting into things I shouldn't have, which ultimately led me to being sexually assaulted when I was 15. I didn't have a sense of security or certainty. And granted, my mom, bless that woman, my beautiful, amazing mother did her best, but you can't protect your kids from everything, right? So there was a lot of experiences that we had early on in our life that caused us to just have outbursts later on in our life. And these were all lessons that I had to learn on my own and how to cope with these things. But it took time and a lot of self-awareness. And it got worse before it got better. I ended up becoming severely bulimic for six years. It took over my life in every aspect until the point where I was so malnourished that I was falling asleep in class. I couldn't pay attention to my homework. And most importantly, I sacrificed my one love in life, which was playing volleyball. I just couldn't keep up on the court anymore. I was like binging, binging and purging every single day, multiple times a day. And no one knew, like no one knew about any of this. I hid it for six years, six excruciating years. Nobody knew about the struggles that I was facing in my head, but I was ashamed and I was so embarrassed. So I hid it. I didn't say anything to anybody because no one talks about this stuff. No one talks about this stuff when you're in schools and when you're young, it's like a taboo weird thing. So, you know, long story short, these are just some of the things that drove me into becoming who I am today. I really had to slap myself in the face and say, girl, you got to do better. You have to snap out of this or I could have ended up on the streets doing drugs like my brother, or I could have ended up in jail myself. They were all repercussions of trauma. And my aha moment, quote unquote, was shortly after 2017 when my house burned down in wildfire, but 
I mean, we could talk about that in a minute if you want, but this all led me to thinking to myself, there's got to be other kids who don't know what I know. I was blessed in my journey, my, my spiritual enlightenment journey to not only recover, but recover without the help of anyone and then go on to achieve great things in my life, believe in myself and fully heal my relationship with food. It would be a disservice of me to not share what I know with other young people. So we can save them from going through what we see a lot of adults today go through. Domestic violence, drug addiction, alcoholism, obesity, inflammation in the body. Like these are all likely repercussions of something that happened when you were very young. But if we can put a stop to it, we can build the next generation of confident, strong adults that aren't hurting so much. Mm. So that's what I love to do. You know, I do think everything in life happens for a reason, as cliche as it sounds, but it doesn't take away the pain of not having my dad around. That's for sure. So it's just one of those things, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's quite a bit uh, for a 22 year old. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a lot. Um, Doina is a friend of mine uh, in the podcasting world. And she says, wow, you're amazing. Thank you. Wow. That's so sweet. I don't know where to see if people are, are tuning in or not, but that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Whenever they comment or question, I will flash it up on the screen and, uh, and we'll address it. Um, so one of the questions that I have is that once you kind of came out about your bulimia and like sort of made, you know, that, that you started dealing with it, how prevalent was that in, in teenagers? Um, did you find at the time I didn't at all. I thought I was the weird one. I thought I was the only one going through this. I mean, a weird relationship with food like that's so embarrassing. That's so shameful. So in my young years, I thought I was the only one going through this, but I didn't have a name for what I was going through. I didn't know what an eating disorder was. I didn't know what it was until my process of recovery. Then when I started doing research, I'm like, Oh, there's a name for this. It's called something and it's not good. Like I knew I was damaged, but I didn't know that this was all like a a thing, like an actual thing that people go through. And again, it's because there's a lack of education on how to overcome struggles and traumatic experiences and how to make friends when you're growing up and how to fit in without comparing yourself to another woman. We're not taught these things. There's not classes educating you on nutrition unless it's a specialty that you're taking. Mm. Why not? I could have excelled in the sports that I was doing. But anyways, I recognized after I graduated, after my first year of college even, that this problem is a lot more common than I think. And not only that, but anorexia is the number one deadliest psychological killer of all of the psychological disorders. Like it's so damaging, but the only thing I can say as it pertains to high school students and colleges, is people are obsessed with dieting. We, we learn these dieting hacks. We, we start talking about dieting from a very young age, from your friend saying, let's go on a diet to um, advertisements or, you know, we watch our moms, our parents diet. So that was a lot more prevalent than the eating disorder itself. So one more question on this. If, since you've gotten a better relationship with food, 
what do you do you eat a certain way now um because we we all know that the standard american diet really is is you know that's what does it i mean that's really what causes a lot of the inflammation that's what you know your body's just not used to it it can't handle processing the processed foods the the hydrogenated oils and all of the things that are are bad for us so what have you done in in that way is there a certain way that you eat now to kind of combat that i have been vegan for three years and when i went vegan it wasn't because i wanted to be vegan just to be vegan at first at first it was because when i stopped purging i was still binging because i didn't recognize that there was a huge mindset component to recovery so all I, my main focus was to stop the act because it was painful and it was hard on your stomach and it hurt all of these terrible things. And I knew I needed to stop, but I still had a binging problem and I just learned to sit with the pain, which if anyone's struggling, it's, that's a great first step. That's an awesome first step. So I would just sit, I would sit with the pain and I, basically what I would binge on would be like cereals and like snacks with dairy and like chocolate and all that stuff. So really me becoming vegan forced me to get creative in the kitchen. Now for a lot of people, it's not a good choice because it allow it allows them to restrict more. For me, I didn't have that experience. I was forced to get creative. So I started studying recipes and sweet potatoes and all the different things you can do with oats and all of that. So I believe that veganism saved me because it, it allowed me to stop really binging mm. in a sense. And um, what was the other part of your question? Just so I can make sure I'm not going on too much of a tangent. I think that, I think you pretty much answered it. What I was doing is I'm getting a, uh, the, the, the hotline number for people who are out there so we can have a call to action as well. If somebody is struggling out there with uh, bulimia. Um, I do have one more thing actually. Okay. So, now, some basic principles that I live by, I mean, other than being vegan, are I try to watch the types of oils that I'm feeding into my body. I try to watch uh, I try to watch how quickly I'm eating. Because if anybody out there is struggling with their relationship with food, your first the first step in finding a solution to that is not a diet. It's not Stopping eating hydrogenated oils and sweets. In fact, I would rather you eat that than be so scared of them that you restrict. So the first step is to allow yourself to eat whatever you want. When you allow yourself to do it, the desire to do it goes away because it's always there and you know you can have it anytime. Then when you start actually healing your relationship with food, you will find that you can eat really whatever you want and it's not a big deal because you're not going to binge on it. So anything I'm saying as it pertains to diet, skip it if you're not there. If you are there and you're really ready to feel better, not look better, feel better. Because when we align what we eat with how we feel the weight will either fall off or it will come on depending on what you need in your biology. Mm. So that that's what I would say about that in a good place to start. But yes, I, I do try and watch what I eat. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for answering that. Um, so if you'll see here that I have on the screen, National Eating Disorders Association Helpline. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast platforms, the number for that is 1-800-931- Two two three seven. That's one eight hundred 
931-231-2237. If you're struggling with bulimia or eating disorders in general and it's taking over your life, uh, I would suggest giving them a call and, uh, you know, seeing if you can get yourself some help. Uh, also, let's get to a couple of comments here. We've got Danny uh, DeHeck. He's a friend of mine, another podcast friend of mine. And he says, good day, mate. Nice to see you're doing your thing. Uh, he has also been vegan, plant-based for the last 16 months. Is the best thing he's ever done. You know, it's crazy that, that, that we're talking about this because I've been thinking about doing the same thing because my eating habits are horrible. And well, I mean, they're not that bad, but they're, they're bad enough to where I can, I feel the inflammation. Um, I feel that, that this, just that grossness, you know? Um, and so I definitely need to do something about it. Uh, he actually has a question for you though here. He said he'd be interested in knowing whether or not you are eating gluten-free. I am not gluten-free. I, I will eat gluten. I've wanted to try it. There is controversial information on gluten-free, but I do believe in the health benefits of going gluten-free. When you're educated, because when you're not, you go to the gluten-free aisle of the grocery store and you think because it's gluten-free, it's healthy. Mind you, that is so far from the truth. And just because something is gluten-free, fat-free does not make it healthy. So I would love to try it, but I'm not. And unless you're celiac or have gluten sensitivity... The only reason you would do it is out of curiosity, not because you feel like you have to. So, Awesome. Thanks for that. Uh, Reefer Man says, happy 422. Yes, happy 422. Oh, yes. I, I, I am a, a, a daily um, microdoser of THC in place of, uh, you know, like Zoloft or, or, you know, any other SSRI. That's what I do for my, my uh, health. Uh, and wellness, uh, brain health and wellness. Um, he said veganism, FTW. Dude, we got a lot of vegan, a lot of vegan people. That's great. Doina again, you go bankrupt in Romania if you go gluten free. So expensive. Romania. Wow. You're from, I, did I know that you were from Romania? Uh, Doina, I don't, I, I probably did. I just spaced it. So. Thanks for chiming in. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all of the uh, participation in the comment section. That's awesome, man. Um, so let's let's make our way back to the uh, uh, your dad. And the reason why I want to go there, because this is something that's really kind of um, sort of in my wheelhouse of things. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I lost uh, parental rights to my daughter when she was 18 months old because of my uh, addiction, my, my lifestyle, um, everything that I was doing. And uh, her mom had me petitioned to, um, to take my, my rights away. And I never showed up at court. I abandoned her when she was 18 months old and she's now 21. Um, since then, since I've had my, my, my youngest daughter, who is uh, almost four years old now, I have really been able to see how important that relationship is between father and daughter. And uh, it, uh, it, I have a hard time talking about this sometimes. Um, that it's really important. And, 
you know, I, the good thing is, is I have my daughter, the one that I, that I abandoned, she's reached back out to me, you know, after 20, 20 some odd years and wants to have a relationship. But having that relationship with my younger daughter has really shown me like what she missed out on and how, how has that kind of affected you uh, when you think about it? First of all, thank you for sharing that with me. I didn't know that, but I can only imagine the guilt that may have came with that after you sort of figured things out for yourself. So much love to you, brother. But I spent a lot of years being very angry at the situation. I, My dad was sent away on circumstantial evidence, meaning there was no DNA to connect him to the case. So I was angry for a couple of reasons. One, how did somebody get somebody who spent 14 years in the military serving our country get working with the Navy SEALs? He was an underground deep sea diver doing underground construction. How does he get life without parole? And then somebody, a rapist or some terrible person get 18 years, 12 years. Like, first of all, how? So I spent a lot of time angry. I, I still do. If you can't tell, I get a little mm-hmm. worked up about it, but I'm not educated enough to go spitting quote unquote facts. So I just, I just get mad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would also get mad at people who were in my life who appeared to be taking advantage of their dads, like not respecting them. And I would, I would say like, well, you have a dad, like you're, some of us don't. So why are you taking advantage of it? And I kind of had to check myself eventually and step back and realize I take advantage of the fact that I can see out of both eyes. I take advantage of the fact that I can walk with both legs. We're always going to take advantage of the things that we don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So all I can do in this moment is remind you, I'm you're look, most of you aren't going to do anything about the situation that you're in to be more grateful. I already know that. But all I can act is a catalyst to remind you to just try to be a little more grateful. You don't don't know what you have until it's gone. You you really don't. And so it's been incredibly difficult. My mom was mom and dad. I didn't have my brother lost him to a life of drugs. I mean, he's still alive. But, I mean, every day I wake up not knowing if he is or not. And then I've seen my dad four times since his incarceration. The first three times through a four inches thick of glass and through a cell phone. And the last time I saw him when he was graduating from a prison program. And that was in 2017. It was in the summertime. He invited me and he had no way to know that I was showing up. So he, he just had to like pray. And I did everything I could to go. I did everything I could. And me and my boyfriend at the time, we, drove to Crescent City. He was in Pelican Bay State Prison at the time in the shoe. And we spent the night, we get there the next morning and the the sheriff at the front of the prison is like, what are you talking about? There is no event. And we're like, no, there is an event. I know there is. And she's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And then another sheriff eventually comes and he says, oh, there's an event in two days. So there's a, there's a huge disconnect even within the prison walls alone. They're not communicating with each other. They don't really care about the programs as, as much as the people in the programs do, right? And so I'm like, great, a broke college student has to go pay for two more nights of a hotel. 
So we just drove four hours to go see my sister in Oregon instead. Drove four hours back, got on the road at 3 a.m. And I saw my dad. And oh my gosh, let me tell you, it was the best day of my life. It was amazing. It was the first time I got to see him in five years. And it was the first time I got to touch him since his incarceration when I was 10. And he was wearing a blue cap and gown because they were graduating. And out of 11 inmates of the shoe, Mavericks, I was the only family member. I was 19. And as you could imagine, we were like the center of attention. Everyone was taking pictures, wanting to talk to us and everything. And it was it was beautiful. His hands were shackled to his waist. He couldn't really hug me. He was super white. Like, how often do they get to see the light of day? I don't know. But that wasn't the point. Like, he was so happy. And it was just, I mean, I haven't seen him since. So, I mean, I think about it and I get all sad because, like, it was so beautiful. And I recognized in that moment the value of keeping up communication because they get so lonely in there. So, Yeah, this is a great story. Long story is very long. I know. Um, I can imagine. What Did you get to hug him? I did get to hug him. When we were sitting down, we couldn't touch, but they gave us a chance to have a father-daughter dance, and then that's when we got to hug him. Powerful, honestly. It was just, I, I asked him, we were on stage, and I said, what reminds you of me? And he said, every breath I take. So I have a tattoo on my arm that says every breath I take right here. Oh, man, you got me. Oh, no. I'm sorry. No, No. that's okay. It's, uh, you know, it just, it just brings me any kind of father daughter thing, man. Since I have that in my, in my past always gets me that movie, that movie blow every time I watch it It uh, have you seen it? I have not seen it. Oh, I, it'll make you cry too. I guarantee you it's about, you know, a lot of it has to do with his, uh, uh, when he went to prison and his daughter and him, you know, just, just that whole dynamic, man. It's, uh, it gets me every time. So no, but I'm happy you, you got to see him and you're in contact with him. And, uh, have you done anything? Have you like, like tried to seek out any advocacy groups or anything like that who can, uh, try and, and, you know, since he's, doing is he in federal prison no he's in state prison right yes yes wow that's uh that's something else i mean what is there any like remedies or or or, or motions that you can file or anybody working on his behalf is to try to get him uh, some relief you know it's really interesting that you say that because for many years i didn't know anything no one told me anything but i didn't ask i was happy living in my bubble of like you know He's innocent and look, I don't know because I, I, I don't know if he's or not. We, we don't know. And it's not like me hopping on the phone with him. He's going to like, you know, say too much or whatever. But basically I'm like, you know what? No, it's all good. My dad just like, no, he's going to get out of there. Like he's good. Like he's going to get out of there. He's going to come back to his family. And then I got a little bit older and I started going to these prison or Inform like families of informerated cars. Wait, fam- <laughs> <laughs> what? You see where I messed up there? Family members of formerly incarcerated people say that five times fast, right? And it was a support group, and I went and 
I started to learn more and I started to educate myself more just on the prison system and everything. I started researching my dad's case more, like figuring out where's the unity in what everyone is saying. My whole life, I didn't know anything about my dad and the things that him and my mom have been through. I didn't know anything about anything. And it wasn't until just two years ago that my mom actually started talking to me about their past, talking to me about the fact that they have struggled in their life too, talking to me about everything that they have been through in a relationship together to end the generational trauma that me and my family have been through. I just started learning as much as I could. And I was very angry. I'm like, why did anyone talk to me about this? Like, don't I deserve to know what, may or may not have happened to my dad. Like, don't I deserve to know about his case? But I I could have researched it myself. I just think my family was trying to keep me from doing that. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, uh, no, they weren't trying to keep me from doing it. They were just not telling me anything until I did it myself. They never talked to me about him and I didn't ask. And they were just trying to keep me dumb, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Protect me or whatever. So to answer your question, I didn't reach out to any advocacy groups because in my head I'm thinking, it's all good. It's not even that serious. Like he's going to get out of there. They're going to realize that like he's innocent, like da, 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 da. And again, I don't know. Like if you look at all the research there is online, everything says something different. Everything. There's no connection between anything. They even have two different dates. Oh, Michael got arrested on this day. Oh no, he got arrested on this day. One of them says California. One of them says Oregon. Like these are the kinds of things that I don't have answers to. And I don't understand the system. So it's like all I'm forced to adapt to it. You know, I'm just forced to be in the unknown forever. So I don't really know what to do if I'm being honest. Well, we might have to change that because I know a lot of people that are involved in things like that and with advocacy groups and, you know, with, uh, you know, the, the, network that I'm creating called justice impacted TV. Um, it's going to be a whole bunch of lanes of different things like that, that, you know, uh, it's going to be resources, uh, education, um, you know, because there's a lot of people that, you know, when they get involved in the justice system, they have no clue what to do, you know, as family members, as, you know, you know, what, if, if you do think that your family members innocent, where do you go from there? You know, it's just a lot of things that, that there's a lot of, uh, blind spots in, in the system. Yeah. I've come to realize that and I had to do it on my own and it it sucks being a part of a conversation like me and you are having right now and feeling like still uneducated. Mm -hmm. Part of me feels guilty. Like I should do more. I should be doing more. But the other part just, I guess kind of avoids it because I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do, but I know I don't want to do this forever. Like I want my dad back. He deserves to, to live a life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. You're absolutely right. So let's uh, switch lanes here again and uh, get a little bit closer to what you're doing now. Uh, We got a couple of uh, questions here. We got reefer man. Reefer man, more hemp than human. Uh, what do you microdose? Uh, THC, uh, probably less than five milligrams uh, daily in the morning with coffee. I need a lawyer. We all do. 
<laughs> a private attorney license to practice in Illinois to prevent being put away for a crime someone didn't do. Maybe me. Yeah. Well, hope you hope you figure that out because if you didn't do it, you know you definitely should have some legal representation to help help see you through that. Um, so what I would like to know is how did you get into speaking, and how did you like? Did you get any formal training? Um, because you you're a great speaker. You're, you're very well put together. Um, most people, they say, they, um, uh, you know, I, I'm in Toastmasters and I still struggle. Absolutely. So I, after I hit what I would consider my version of rock bottom with my eating disorder, I went on an immediate two day cleanse, like smoothie fast. And then I was like, I have to find an answer. I cannot live like this any longer. And I went on a rampage of trying different diets, studying different things, all of which led me to where I am now. But had I known what I know now, I could have saved myself the trouble of even dieting when I shouldn't have. And there was another solution. But again, I did this alone. And I discovered the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I was like, oh, my God, it's calling to me. That is for me. (laughs) And I signed up did a year long program, healed my relationship with food way more than I ever thought possible. Thought I wanted to be a health coach. Started doing that for a little bit. And then I found out, man, this stuff is actually really hard because a lot of people who are doing the health coaching license route, like not, not a nutritionist, not a doctor, whatever. A lot of young people go to this school, right? And they finish it and they think they're ready to be a health coach. No, 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 no. This is why I advise people to really do their research when they're looking for a health coach because a lot of people are young like me and they take a course and they think they're ready to help you, but they're not. They don't have enough life experience practicing everything that they have just learned. So I found it incredibly difficult to break into the industry because everything felt forced. I thought I was so educated, but no, I was educated when I had one, two years, three years to implement all of my practices until it became second nature until I didn't have to read off of a script during a podcast interview, until I didn't have to read a sales script, until I just had it in my head because I've done the work. So I was like, I don't want to be a health coach. And I went to Fiji to a women's business conference. I was invited by Catherine Hoke. She's the founder of Hustle 2.0, and she's the reason I got to see my dad. She's the one who put on the event where they had the cap and gowns. It was a six-month program called Defy Ventures, if you want to look it up. She doesn't work there anymore. But so she was like a mentor to me. Like she was the reason I got to see my dad and she invited me to come to Colorado. I was living in Sacramento. This is in 2018 to come to her house and have a mastermind and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. I would love to. Right. Mm -hmm. And then she got invited that weekend to go to Fiji to be a keynote speaker in Fiji at a woman's business conference called nurture her. And she tells them, I'm not going to go unless you invite Eden. And I was like, me? I was like, me? And so not only did I get to go, but they paid for our tickets. I got to ride first class, like my first time going out of the country and I get first class. She literally says, don't get used to it because this will never happen again. And I'm like, (laughs) Uh, but it was awesome. I got to sleep on my stomach on the plane. Like, anyways. And so I got to speak in front of an audience of 200 women, my first time speaking. And I got to talk about my dad. If you look up Catherine Hoke on YouTube, you will find her Ted talk. And 
I'm in her TED talk. Me and my dad are part of her keynote. And so we were part of her keynote in Fiji. And she said, this young girl, her daddy got arrested when she was 10. In fact, she's here today. So you can imagine me, I'm 19 or 20. Yeah. Walking up on stage and everyone was just super emotional. But anyways, I talked to a guy there. We ended up going to Australia and I talked to this one guy. His name is Lawrence Tom. And he said, why don't you speak to students? Why don't you speak to other young people who could use your recovery story from all your mental health struggles? And I'm like, huh, I did never think about that. Ever since then, I haven't dropped the idea. I have not let it go. And I've just been falling into, that's not the word falling into that lifestyle. I've just been doing it since. And that, that's where it came from. That's awesome. That's a great story. And, and yeah, uh, First class, I've done it one time, and I wish that I never had because unless you can afford to do it every time you you fly, it it sucks knowing what you're missing out on. Catherine's cat, cat's brother is a pilot, I believe. So she gets like upgraded all the time, and she gave me one. (laughs) (laughs) That's very rare. So now I have to earn the rest, which is why I haven't traveled at all since 2018. (laughs) Uh, we're not no one's really doing a whole lot of traveling right now anyways so but that's great that's awesome you uh you're able to do that so now you have your own coaching and uh hold on one second i got my dog sitting here i'm just gonna open the door for him because he's making all these noises you got it as anybody watching this can tell i get very passionate about this stuff i i really do as you should. I mean, it's your story. It's your life, right? If, if, if the, no one else is going to be passionate about it, but you, and you should be. So what does, uh, let, let's start with the, the one question that I was going to ask that for anybody out there. Um, I've never asked this question before. So I've had this podcast called Nowhere to Go But Up uh, for the longest time. I've, I've interviewed over 170 people so far, and I have yet to ask anybody, when was uh, the time that you found yourself, the most prolific time that you found yourself in the position of Nowhere to Go But Up? That is a great question. And I would say the moment that I sort of spoke on where I reached what I consider my version of rock bottom with my eating disorder. But I'm going to share a different one here. I I did a podcast on Monday. It's Monday today. Okay. I did a podcast on Friday and I shared the other one. But for this one, I'm going to say this. I, after I saw my dad in 2017 in July, it was the best day of my life. Like I said, I had my boyfriend at the time. I was on top of the world. We get back to his house in Cloverdale, California, and we go to sleep just high on life. And the next morning, his dad wakes us up and says, your mom died. And his his mom died Mm -hmm. of stage four terminal brain cancer. And so you could imagine the shift of energy just immediately. So he started feeling really depressed, but he always suppressed his emotions. He never expressed them. 
And he started pushing me away, convincing me I just don't like you anymore. I don't. And I'm like, no, yes, you do. Like, ah. like I never understood why girls got crazy after a breakup. And then it happened to me and I was like, I'm feeling a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was my first time experience heartbreak ever. And for anyone who's experienced heartbreak, you, you know, it can be very painful. I was, I felt like I was just in love. So two months pass, I'm, I'm drinking all the time. I'm partying and stuff. My mom would be like, you want some ice cream? No. You want some of this? No. You want a mimosa? Yes. That, that's what it was. And two months later in October, October 9th, 2017, we get waking up abruptly in the middle of the night to my mom screaming, we need to pack. There's a fire. We need to pack. We need to pack. And me and my roommate at the time who was from Japan were like frantically trying to pack. Like the winds are blowing outside at 40 miles an hour. Our, our neighbor's house is on fire. Like there's, there's wildfires just scorching the whole city. And we tried to spray the house down to keep it moist. I was, I was running around trying to pack. And, you know, a lot of times we think, what would I do if a natural disaster happened? Right. We like those thoughts, but when it happens, you don't really know. I'm thinking to myself, what do I pack? What's more important? I don't even know. So I packed my school supplies cause I was in college and I packed my favorite clothes, which were in the dirty clothes pile. And I packed my laptop charger and then I grabbed peanut butter and tortilla chips. Like that, that was it. And we left, we, we sat in a parking lot of a, gas station for seven hours with our dog and our cat and just the sky beamed red like our neighbor's house was on fire the freeway was on fire there were like cars were on fire on the side of the freeway like I have pictures man I'll send them to you later just up close and personal like the fire's right there and the next thing we know is my best friend called me and she said I just drove past your house and it's all gone like your whole neighborhood gone and I was just a wreck. I was a disaster. I still had my eating disorder at this time. But I was holding on to the belief, no, 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 the firefighters are going to get it. And when we were packing, I was like, I'm not going to grab this or this because we'll just be back later. Like, it's all good. And then it was just all gone. Like, everything. And man, did it rock our world for sure. Like, never do you think, you think it happens on the news. Like, it's a movie or something. But that stuff actually happens. And so... At that point, I didn't even care about my eating disorder. I had way other, way more important things to worry about in my mind. And I just, I stopped eating, not intentionally. And I was, I was like the skinniest I had ever been. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I knew that. And I'm like, I'm disgustingly skinny, but I still felt fat. I still felt like I have to lose weight. And it just goes to show that eating disorders are a mental disorder, not physical. It's not about the weight because you're looking at yourself through a shattered lens. And so I was just a disaster. I was drinking. I was partying. I was like doing Molly, all, like cocaine and all kinds of stuff. And I don't think that there was a grand moment that pulled me out of it, but I ended up moving out of the city with a guy, that guy I was telling you about. And I just became focused on my craft and my passion. We're not, we're not together anymore. But in, in leaving the city to find myself, I found a greater purpose. And in being that relationship that did end up being very toxic and unhealthy, I found what I don't deserve. I found my voice. I, I, sometimes a little too much I have found my voice in the sense that 
I don't let anyone walk over me. I'm like, no, you're wrong. I'm like, no, you're wrong. Like, I know, I know me. I'm right. But then I have to check myself and be like, girl, not everyone's out to attack you. Not everyone's out to get you. But I found my confidence as a woman and in myself. And now I live back, not with my family, I live with my boyfriend now. But that whole journey was a very low place for me that I slowly pulled myself out of. Like, if you're struggling right now, don't believe what you see in the movies where there's this a profound, I'm going to change. Like, maybe it happens, but it was a very slow climb uphill just because I didn't want to be where I was. What is it? I think it's Tony Robbins who says, your pain will push you until your purpose pulls you. Until you find that thing that gets you up in the morning and you're no longer running from a bad past, but you're chasing a better future. Mm. That's a that's a good one. I've never heard that one. I, I you know for all I've I don't think I've ever really listened to Tony Robbins. Um, I mean I've hear I've heard him on some stuff, and he was you know the guy. I mean there was I think there was a couple of of you know motivational speakers that pioneered the the self personal development space, and then he came in and was just this huge personality and dominated it. And and then there's some other ones after that, but most of the stuff that I did, I mean, kind of like you, I mean, it was mostly on my own. And through, through, um, what do they call that self-awareness and just the pain, man, when the pain's like a toothache, you know, once it gets bad enough, you'll figure out a way to, to get it fixed. Right. And so, I mean, that's kind of like what, with me and, and all of the things that I struggled with and all the pain, shame and, and stuff that went along in my life at some point, it just got too unbearable where I was like, look, man, I'm just tired of, I'm tired of, of spinning around in this, this never ending cyclone of, of despair and, 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 you know, guilt and shame and, and all of the stuff that goes along with it. So I definitely commend you in, you know, in your journey and your struggles and, and getting through them. That's awesome. Uh, Let me, I will just say really quickly that I guarantee there's people that are going to be watching this that are going to be going through something and they're going to tell themselves, okay, today's different. And then it's not. And they're going to say that today's different on another day. And then it's not. And you're going to start beating yourself up. Like I thought I was having profound moments. I was committed to change and it never works. All of those mini bursts of trying and trying and failing and trying and failing, which will happen every day. You will fail every day. But if you just keep trying and keep failing, you will end up having little mini micro shifts in a positive direction over a period of time. And that's what I mean by pulling yourself because it's not this profound, ah, I'm going to change my life now. Like you hear all over the place. It's not like that for most people. It's okay. I'm going to try this. And then you're going to fail again and again and again, but you keep going and you find people who can support you on that mission to becoming your best self and you fail your way to the finish line. You fail your way to success. So I just wanted to say that because I know people are going to be sitting here like, okay, so where's my big profound shift? It's not going to happen like that. Most likely. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. And every time that I stopped trying to stop doing something, it was always, you know, at least seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10 times, sometimes even more, you know, with, with methamphetamine, it was 18 years of stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting. Um, 
but now it's more along the lines of, you know, when I, when I'm really intentional about wanting to not do something anymore, it, uh, the time in between when I fail starts to get further and further and further and further apart until it's gone, you know, and it, and, and it doesn't happen fast, but as long as you keep it in the forefront of what you're trying to do and your intentions and, and wanting to be a better person and wanting to, to, you know, not have to deal with any of that stuff anymore, it, it becomes less and less. And at some point it'll just end and it'll stop and you'll have your life back. Or at least that part of your life back, whichever, you know, whatever it is that you're struggling with. And it applies to every, anything, you know, that it, it could be, you know, in life. It, it's all kind of the same. 100%. So we got a couple of more questions here. I'm going to, you can answer this one if you want. You don't have to, though. Um, okay. He says, what drugs does your brother use or that he abuses? My brother has been addicted to heroin. For, for a long time. He, he's used them across the board, but that has been the, the reoccurring one that he has gone back to. So. And then he also says, love yourself. Absolutely right, brother. It's something that you need to do. Everybody needs to do that. So, um, yeah, we're at about 52 minutes here. Uh, what What is there uh, on the horizon for you now? As far as, you know, I know you're hooking up with uh, Levi. Levi is actually going to be on the show later on this uh, in about three hours from now or, or no, two hours from now. He'll be on at five. Oh, that's going to be a great conversation. So for context, Levi and I are both speakers in the youth market. We love helping kids and just really helping them change their life. That's his thing is champions of change. So what's new for me and Levi's part of this, too, is. A, an online program called Life After High School. It's dedicated to helping teens and young adults navigate their early 20s and setting them up for success by teaching these fundamental principles that likely they didn't learn growing up, at least not in school in most cases or unless you were taught it by a family member. So we talk about personal development, professional development, mental health, physical health, relationships, creativity, disability resources, cultural inclusion, and resources. And we have about 10 contributors who have volunteered their time to make video lessons for these students. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interactive. Pre-enrollment is already open. So if anyone has a niece, a nephew, a daughter, a son in their teens, in their 20s, anybody can get anything from it. Then you get your first course. 100% free. And the other courses are insanely affordable. So you can message me if you want more information about that, but it's just lifeafterhighschool.us if you want more. And other than that, it's building my speaking empire. I want to be a global speaker and that's, I'm ready. I'm ready to just keep on hustling and keep on speaking and, and fulfilling my mission of impacting the lives of 1 billion teens and young adults. Well, I, that's a great grand mission and you're already on your way to doing it. I mean, you've already been to Fiji and, and some other places. And so that's awesome, man. Um, I really commend you again for all of the work that you're doing in your space and with your community of young folks out there. And hopefully when I get my, uh, my facility up and going that I can have you guys, uh, both you and, uh, uh, Levi come down and speak uh, to the to the to the guys that are in there as well. And what I'm hoping is is that this, this model works 
well enough and we track the data and we get enough numbers that, you know, we can start scaling this and roll it out for females and for males, uh, you know, for the, for the youth population of uh, transitional age females, and then eventually work it into the adult population or adult males and adult females as well. Cause the need is definitely there, man. It's uh it's, it's, it's so tough. I mean, just us, you know, people who are out and, and doing things and, and living life, we need coaches and we need mentors, right? So why wouldn't the most vulnerable people in the system coming out with nothing, not need that same thing? A lot of them went in because they had nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's a pattern that you're learning. And if they don't have somebody to help break the pattern, they don't know any differently. It's not that they don't want anything differently, but they don't know. So you result to what you believe always. And we, I'd love to help. I was going to say we believe I can speak for himself. I know it's a yes though, but we'd love to speak to them. And eventually when we start branching out with this online program too, we will have, one dedicated more specifically to troubled youth or reintegrating back into society after early age jail sentences or, or something of the sorts. And I'd love for you to come and be a speaker on that. So yeah, good things are coming. I, I can feel it. Absolutely. And I would love to to help you in any way I could as far as that population goes, or even just helping to bridge the gap of, of, of anything, you know what I mean? Because I think it would be amazing. You know, you've got, the gamut of 16 to 24 and then another, you know, you got another population that can hit, you know, from 47 on from there to 47 and, you know, 50, whatever it is. So yeah, definitely the more we can reach the better. Um, Let's uh, tell everybody about the free gift right here. So if you text this number that yes, it will come to my personal phone. And just text me your first and your last name. And I have a present for you teaching you the golden method. My last name is gold. Come on. I I had to use it for something. (laughs) And so it's really going to help you develop skills you need to believe in yourself, but also put it into action. So there's a little game plan in there, 100% free. It's an online little free downloadable PDF. and, And it's cool. I mean, anything that can help get you on the right foot to achieving, heck, Go for it. So text me, be my friend. Let's chat it up. If I can do anything for you, answer a question, then yes. Awesome. Thank you. And then Doina has one more question. One question we can touch on really quickly. Uh, what are your strategy to cope with struggles? That could mean a lot of things. <laughs> so I, I like how you asked that. And here's why. I always refer to this. The conservation, the The law of conservation of energy states that energy can neither be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred or transformed. So while we may think sometimes that we can hold pain inside of us or, oh, it's not that big of a deal, so I'm not going to talk about it or I'll get over it on my own, we think that that pain will just go away, but it won't. Rather, it sits inside you and when another similar experience happens, then it will plant another seed and another one and another one until it manifests and you have outbursts in all sorts of ways, anger, drugs, whatever. So the real question is how do I release that energy? How do I get rid of this? If this is my pain, how do I disperse it? I don't want to keep it in me. So it has to exit me. So we can do this through talk therapy and it does work unless uh, for certain people, 
but talking it out, you know, I used to think, what could somebody tell me that I don't already know? I'm smarter than most of these people. I, I was, it was very much not the right mindset. I know that's not true, but we don't always take our own advice. So sometimes reaching out to other people, they're going to tell you the same thing that you already know. You are very smart, but them telling you is more impactful than you trying to convince yourself because you're the one who is struggling. You know what I mean? So your belief is already altered. You need another belief in there. So talking to someone, if that doesn't work, doing something that involves physical activity or energy release, 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 that's not a word, (laughs) energy, (laughs) the releasing of energy. So if it's some sort of very severe trauma that you're battling with, you might want to find they they have these rooms where you can go in and like break stuff. Like they have these like rooms that you destroy. I don't know what the name for them is, but see if there's one in your area and that's a great yeah, bash rooms to mash rooms, yeah, yeah. Mash rooms, yeah, to release pent up energy or exercise. Exercise is a great way, and I'm not just saying it; it's true. You will feel great after after exercise. I would also recommend journaling because, again, we are very smart, and the average person has, I believe, it's seventy five thousand thoughts a day. Eighty percent of those thoughts are negative, and ninety two percent of the thoughts you had today are the same as you had yesterday. So, what are those thoughts? What are they? Well, if you can identify them and find patterns in them, you have the ability to change them with their counter opposite. So you can do that by slowing down your thoughts, slowing down your dang brain through journaling. And when you do that, then you can start to find consistencies and patterns, and then you can change it. It takes 16 positive comments to override one negative comment. So yes, it's work, but it's worth it. And then you will wake up one morning and you will have an aha moment because your mentality will literally shift right before your very eyes. And I'm not just saying that I'm serious when I say that it will physically shift and you will feel yourself feeling better about yourself. So that's what I would say. That's a great answer. And I appreciate it. So now we are going to wrap, start wrapping this up. Uh, We've been here for about an hour and I definitely appreciate your time. I appreciate your uh, transparency and your authenticity and the truthfulness in your story. And uh, you know, for, for getting me a little misty eyed uh, over here as well, you know, I, as much as sometimes I don't like to, um, I feel better when I do. Right. And so, you know, I just, I always, and I like to be an example of somebody like, you know, you don't have to be stone cold all the time and you can show emotion and there's nothing wrong with that. 100%. And I'm happy you got Misty at. I think that's awesome. It (laughs) it really shows your care in your heart and perfect time to wrap up because my laptop's at 5%. All right. So we, the, 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 Stuff that I've been flashing up here, a lot of these links are uh, direct links that are in the description and will be in the show notes. Um, and so you, we don't, you don't have to, to mouth them if you don't want to. Um, but if you've got anything that you want to direct people to specifically um, that I don't have, uh, go ahead and, uh, and say that now if you like. You can always hit me up on my email and reach out with any request if you want to work with me i do do some body image coaching and it's generally for women but hey let's talk let's see if we can find you another resource but i do coach women through body image and i do mentor students and and young people just navigating their early 20s so if you have a young person in their life in your life who needs guidance and a mentor again that is my passion i love doing it so you can always email me at hello at com, just right there. Uh, if you want me to come speak for your work, your organization, then you can also 
email me for any requests like that. And yeah, all my links probably will be in the show notes, whatever, just Eden gold underscore for pretty much everything. And that that's about it. Awesome. Yeah. Like she said, everything will be in the show notes for her as well as for me. Um, if you want to email me, you can as well. If you have any questions, concerns, or, you know, uh, comments or things that I can do better or things that I'm not doing well enough. Uh, you know, I'm always open to hearing anything as long as you don't want to be mean then, then, you know, I probably won't listen to that. But I mean, if you've got some kind of constructive criticism or, or anything that you want to share, feel free to, to reach out to the show and email me at uh, nowhere to go, but up now at gmail.com. You can always connect to the show on my link tree. And uh, if you're on clubhouse, hit me up. I host a couple of rooms. I have a couple of clubs myself uh, there in clubhouse. And so, yeah, uh, happy Monday, everybody. Thank you again, Eden. I really appreciate uh, you coming by and hanging out with me and our audience. And uh, yeah, until next time. Until next time, keep it 100. Stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.